Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking about the issues of loneliness, isolation, and how to overcome them with true friendship and community. For more information on these and other issues, check out Jack's website at jackeason.org. Now here's Jack. Great. I have a special guest today, uh, my friend Mark, who uh, serves as a church planning director. Uh, He does a lot more than that, I'm sure. We'll let him tell us a little bit about what all he does at the Greater uh, Orlando Baptist Association. Uh, And so, Mark, tell us a little bit more about what you do. I know uh, the church planning is is kind of your primary focus there uh, with the churches in Orlando, but uh, I'm sure you do a lot more than that. Yes, and uh, Jack, thank you for having me on. Uh, Yes, church planning is my primary focus, uh, but I also work with Tom Cheney in the area of church revitalization, and together we founded the uh, Renovate National Church Revitalization Conference, which is an event that we typically hold here in Orlando, um, but we're doing more and more of that digitally. So I, um, uh, together we focus on church planting, church revitalization, and leadership development, which are the three core focuses of the Greater Orlando Baptist Association. So he's primarily responsible for revitalization, but I work with him on that, and then I'm primarily responsible for church planting. And then both of us are responsible for leadership development because we see those three as the three-legged stool that holds us up. Mm-hmm. And um, you can't knock any one of them out and us uh, hold up. But the, the leadership development aspect is the one that feeds the other two because we need strong leaders to plant churches and we st- need strong leaders to revitalize churches. So we, we do that primarily to serve the churches that are members of the Greater Orlando Baptist Association, about 272 churches. But we also wow. recognize that churches across the country and pastors and church leaders need uh, these resources as well. So we also serve those up to anybody who's interested. Wow, that's great. And of course, as, as we are uh, recording this, we're, I was about to say in the midst of, I hope we're coming out of uh, the pandemic. <laughs> so a lot of things are happening uh, digitally. Um, what the, the event that normally you do there in Orlando, when is, is it normally this time of year in the, in the, the summertime? Normally we do it in the fall. Okay. Um, now okay. this year we had a new, and we were going to forego the one in Orlando and have it at the uh, Southwestern Baptist Seminary, and that was scheduled for uh, April. But um, we had to cancel that event, and so we uh, because we don't know what's going to take right. place with this virus or even people's ability to travel, uh, not just uh, physically, but financially. Mm. Uh, I know uh, here we are, you know, curtailing a lot of what we do and trying to uh, do more digitally just because it's more cost effective and actually we're reaching more people. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I know we have a, a, a mutual friend. Um, uh, ho- hopefully he's your friend, <laughs> uh, Mike Williams. Who, oh Yeah. Uh, does a lot of stuff together. He and I get to serve together with a mission that, uh, that we have in the Dominican Republic. Um, and I know he, uh, he is so speaks so highly of what you all do as a team there to serve the churches there. What, what do you see as your biggest, uh, I guess the biggest challenge for you personally in serving those pastors and ministry leaders? Oh, that's a good question. The biggest challenge for me personally, especially in the area of church planting is to convince pastors and church leaders that it's okay to reproduce. Mm. Um, planting churches is a, is a natural thing. It's uh, what churches in the first century did. Um, they didn't lose by sending their best people 
and uh, their money mm-hmm. somewhere else. The church at Antioch is a great example. Acts chapter 13 tells the story that uh, Barnabas and Saul had only been there a year and they were the top two leaders of that church. And the Holy Spirit told that church, take your top two guys and send them somewhere else so they can mm-hmm. plant somebody else's church somewhere else. And, um, and they, uh, they did that. They, they listened to the Holy Spirit. They laid hands on them and sent them off. But in yeah. our culture, we tend to believe that our responsibility as pastors and church leaders is to gather people together in our place and to um, uh, protect that and to um, keep that. And so that's why uh, only about um, 4% of the churches in the United States ever reproduce and start other churches. Wow. 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 Uh that's a sad statistic. Um, I, I am a former church planter uh, in our area here in uh, the upstate of South Carolina. We're in the fastest growing county in the state. Um, and um, we, we tried with a small team out, out of a local Baptist church to plant a church. And um, we got up to about 30 people in our home, many, many, many of whom were not even believers, which was fantastic. I loved it. They asked some, some truly uh, uh, great questions uh, about the gospel and, and in, innocent questions, I guess, is the word I was looking for. Just uh, p- pure questions, just not knowing anything about Jesus. And, I, and our team loved it. We, we never could really get other, to your point, other mature believers uh, from some local churches to step out of that wonderful uh, comfort zone uh, of, of the programs that they were used to having at their, at their church to help serve uh, with us, but uh, uh, so I, I definitely see why that is a challenge. But um, your your heart for church planning is similar uh, to mine. I think we could reach a lot more people if we were more intentional uh, about doing that. What what are some of the challenges you're seeing in on the almost 300 churches that you're working with among pastors and ministry leaders um, uh, that uh, that they that they face? Uh, obviously, one is the recognition to need to multiply. But what are some of those other things? pastors and ministry leaders are struggling with. Yeah. And, um, and, and I did want to point out, we do have some churches that are uh, multiplying and uh, they've got a heart for that and they're doing great. But um, I think across the board, what most churches are struggling with are how to connect with people today. Um, How to, you know, look at where we are today uh, is, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic and we're, uh, we have riots in the streets of our cities. Um, how do you speak directly to, to that? And how do you connect with people in a changing culture? Mm. Um, we, you know, looking at some Barna research regarding millennials and, uh, and um, uh, Gen Z and um, our, our churches um uh, for the most part, I mean, generally speaking, are not doing a great job at reaching those two generations. And uh, millennials are now into, uh, I'm sorry, Gen Z are now into young adulthood. Millennials are now in, into their 30s. And so um, we've got to figure that out. We've got to, we've got to get on the ball and reach those mm-hmm. generations. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you use that word connected. And uh, I guess over the last uh, 16 or 18 months, um, I was working on a book that'll be out in October. Um, the, the original heart for the book was a lot of what you've been talking about, which was um, sharing resources, working together, the body of Christ working together. Uh, I even thought and s- uh, suggested to the publisher the title being We Are Better Together, 
And, um, and after we came back and back and forth and started doing some research, I, I discovered along with their help, well, we're not really together. <laughs> to, 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 to be better together, we have to realize that we're not together yet. And I discovered this whole issue of loneliness, uh, which was an epidemic before the virus pandemic even happened, especially among, again, the group that you mentioned, which was the millennial and Gen Z is, is hugely, you know, even though we have these devices and you and I are connecting digitally, um, it's not necessarily sometimes meaningful connection. You know, you can go into a, a, a coffee shop, as I shared in the book, one of the illustrations, and you see 75 people in there. Uh, they're together, but they're not together. They're all on their devices. Um, so that whole loneliness thing happens, obviously, among those age groups. But one of the other groups that I, dis that I discovered, Mark, and, and you know this, um, that was lonely. Well, two other groups. The, the three biggest groups were millennial Gen Z, uh, the older generation. Maybe they've lost their lifelong mate and their partner has passed away. And so now they find themselves lonely or they're in a nursing home or retirement center. But then the other group was a group that I didn't expect to show up and nobody talks about, and that is pastors and ministry leaders. Um, do, you, do you see that among the, the hundreds of churches that you work with, pastors that, uh, the ones that will admit it at least, that find themselves uh, lonely? And, and if so, how, what's your, what would be your counsel to, to some of those folks? Yeah, I do. I do see that. And I think the first step is to recognize the cause. Um, and I think uh, one of the causes of that loneliness is we have some unhealthy expectations of pastors. Um, uh, first and foremost is they must live a exemplary life and mm. they have to be an example in all they do. And that means that they can't open up and be vulnerable with anybody. Um, if, um, if, pastors told most of their church members what they think or what they struggle with or what they deal on a daily basis, they would get fired. Uh, and they know that. Yeah. So they can't even sit down and have a normal conversation with one of their church members and just open up with them. Uh, so they are conditioned to um, put on a front that everything looks okay and everything's okay, even when it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, another one of those uh, unhealthy expectations is that the pastor's work is done alone. His sermon preparation is done alone. He goes into uh, his office and spends 20 to 30 hours a week preparing sermons. And that's his job and his alone. And he goes in there and he gets before God and he prepares that sermon. He gets a word from God and he delivers that. But there's nowhere in scripture that says that that can't be done in community. Uh, mm -hmm. Another one of those things is the um, is um, a lot of uh, churches, and I'm you know I'm a Southern Baptist, so uh, we um, believe in the priesthood of the believer. But I see a lot of pastors that uh, it's either expected of them or the pastors allow this to be uh, projected upon them that they function more in the role of a priest than they do in that of an equipping leader. And by that, I mean that there are certain things that only the pastor can do. And if, uh, if Aunt Bessie gets sick and she's in the hospital and somebody other than the senior pastor comes to visit, it doesn't count. You know, 30 people can go and see her, but Brother John didn't come and see me, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and it doesn't matter that nobody ever told Brother John that you were in the hospital. He's supposed to know that by divine revelation, you know, and, um, and so there are some expectations that um, churches place upon pastors and that, uh, that they're supposed to do certain things or the only one that can do certain things or the only one um, that, uh, and, and they have to do these in isolation, you know, 
again, if you're going to go out and visit somebody in the hospital, take somebody with you, uh, have a, have somebody that you're mentoring. And that's, that's goes down to another one of the reasons why churches have a hard time reproducing is because we're not reproducing churches because we're not reproducing leaders. Mm. And uh, so um, the expectation is, is that the pastor gets paid to do ministry. He needs to do all of it and he can't hand that off to anybody else. So I remember um, um, I spoke in a church a few years ago where I was actually an interim pastor in a very traditional Baptist church. And I asked them, what if you um, called a new pastor who saw it as his primary ministry of equipping other young preacher boys for the ministry? And he decided that he was only going to preach once a month. And the other three months, you're going to hear from somebody else that he's equipping. Uh, what would you, how would you feel? Would you celebrate the fact that he's doing his job according to scripture? Or would you bemoan the fact that he's um, not, you know, what, what are we paying him for? He's not in the pulpit every week not understanding that it's harder to equip somebody to do something you do than it is to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we have a, a model for ministry that, that um, glorifies pastors in their loneliness. So they get rewarded for loneliness. They don't get rewarded for community. Mm, wow. And Mark, that is so good. That is so good. What, what are some uh, other tips you would give to, to a pastor uh, just, just one-on-one if they just said, Hey, I'm lonely. Um, what are some, maybe a one, two, three, uh, not, not, a, not necessarily a formula to get out of it, um, but some steps that maybe could help or even prevent it. I, I think to your, to your point, sometimes, you know, it, we bring it upon ourselves because we don't, um, we don't set ourselves up uh, the right way. Um, what, what would be some of those things that maybe you would, you could challenge us with? Yeah, I would say, you know, um, some of the easiest things to do are to take advantage of the networks that are already there. Um, In most towns and cities, there are pastor networks where pastors intentionally get together, let their hair down, um, talk about the challenges of ministry. They're not comparing my church against your church. You know, these are healthy relationships where they're getting together. But um, most pastors don't avail themselves of those networks. So there are probably already networks in your area. If there's not, start one. Um, you know, get, get to know other pastors and, uh, and don't see them as your competitor. And don't, you know, I, I remember when I, was, uh, when I was in my 20s, I pastored a church in San Antonio, Texas. And I was a part of the San Antonio Baptist Association. Every week they had a pastor's uh, network. So, and I loved going to those, but, I, but in a sense, I hated going because when I would meet a new pastor, you know, he would, the first thing he would ask me is, uh, what are y'all running over there? I'd say, <laughs> uh, the Bible, you know, <laughs> uh, we're running, no, I, I, you know, I said, what are you running, we're running to church. No, what are you running in Sunday school? Because, you know, they want to, we're running the Bible, you know. What they're asking is, how big are you? You know, yes, and yes. how many did you have last Sunday? And the reason why they're asking you that is not because they want to know; it's because they want to tell you they had more. You know, that's not helpful. You know, right. and right. Um, but but I loved going to those networks because we shared ideas. I learned new things. I I got to meet some guys that I really could hang out with and let and let my hair down with. Of course, I let my hair down a long time ago. I don't have much of it left. <laughs> but um, I, you know, I would say first of all, avail yourself of those, and secondly, challenge those. Um, challenge those assumptions or those expectations. Don't let your church lay those expectations on you and don't accept them. I think one of the reasons why pastors accept them is they kind of like the fame and the glory that goes with it. You know, well, you know, our pastor's superhuman and he kind of smiles and he, you know, 
untucks his cape and flaps it up and says, yes, I am. You know, and uh, and all the while he's hurting inside. His wife is in the pews crying because she knows what he uh, what the rest of the church doesn't know. You know, don't mm. don't accept those things. Don't uh, let them put you on a pedestal. Don't gloat in that. Uh, let your church know that you're real, that you're vulnerable, that you make mistakes. Um, use yourself as a sermon illustration every once in a while. You know, mm-hmm. talk about the things that you did, and then uh, did just get real with people. But um, sometimes that's uh, you know sometimes you're reluctant to do that in your own church. But there are people out there that want to want to get real with you and hang out with you. Yeah. Um, I had a great conversation with a Gen Z guy last week, and his name's Asher. Asher said, uh, he said, you know, us Gen Z's, what we want from a pastor is a relational guy. And he said, uh, I just want to call him up and invite him to coffee and I'll buy the coffee, you know? And, uh, and he said, but um, some of these guys, I feel like that they don't have time to be relational. And he said, so for me and guys in my generation, we're going to go to churches where the pastor will have coffee with you, you know? And, and, and this guy and his, the guys in his generation, they want you to be real. They don't want you to to be fake. They don't want you to um, to allow somebody to prop you up on a pedestal and set unrealistic expectations. They realize you're human. They realize you can't be everywhere at the same time. They just want to sit down and have some coffee with you and hear you hear what your heart is. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Mark, is there anything else on your heart just around pastors, ministry leaders, uh, the issue of loneliness that you would want to share today for those that may listen or, or watch? that I haven't asked. I always like to ask that question because sometimes God may be speaking to the other person and I'm not, I've missed the question to ask. Well, you know, I think, um, I think, you know, one of the the best um, um, prescriptions for loneliness is just get out there and share the gospel with people, you know, Mm. connect with people. Um, Now, and this goes back to what I said earlier, we have to learn how to connect with different generations in different ways. And um, what I'm finding is some of the old means of sharing the gospel just aren't working as well anymore. Um, But there are people that want to hang out with you. There are people that want to go to the coffee shop with you. Um, I like doing meetup groups. And uh, so I used to do them face-to-face in person. We would meet in coffee shops. We met for a while at the University of Central Florida. For a while, we even met in my own church building. But now we're just doing virtual meetups online. I love the website meetup.com. And I've got three different meetup groups that that I have there. And you don't have to... You don't have to organize the group. You can just go and be a part of somebody else's group. But um, get out into the community. Build relationships. Be transparent. Let people see Jesus in you. Um, and, and engage people in spiritual conversations. Ask them about their spiritual journey. Share your spiritual journey uh, in, in an open, honest, and transparent way. And I think that's a great cure for loneliness. Mm, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and that relationships, as you said, it does go back to relationships. Um, which uh, thinking about Jesus, our master teacher, he was all about the relationship. So, Hey, if somebody wanted to reach out to you or, or find out more, I know, I know the association is, is online, uh, obviously uh, goba.org for great Orlando Baptist association, uh, goba.org. But is that the best way to connect to you, your preferred kind of method of connection? Sure. Yeah. Or you can email me Mark, M-A-R-K at goba.org. Um, or you can uh, send me a text. I'll give you my number, 407-461-3155. Awesome. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah, Yeah, fantastic. 
Mark, thanks for a little bit of your time. How can we, uh, how can we be praying for you and your team there in, or- in Orlando? Oh, I tell you, Jack, right now I'm really burdened for, um, for our city here in Orlando, but also for cities all over the world. As I've kind of just been uh, reading through the word of God in these last few days, what I'm seeing over and over again is that Jesus had a heart for the city. He had a heart for people, you know, and um, in Matthew, he talks, he's uh, lamenting over Jerusalem. He's weeping over the city and he's saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he wanted to gather the people together like a a hen gathers her chicks. Or in Matthew chapter 9, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm -hmm. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, and we see crowds all around us. We, We see crowds doing things that we don't like. But um, but um, Jesus never gave us permission to be angry with them. So um, as our cities are in turmoil, God's really given me a burden for our city here in Orlando mm-hmm. and for cities around the world. So uh, I just ask, you know, join me in pray, uh, praying that God would send out workers into his harvest field and that as we pray, um, that we are the answers to our own prayer. You know, mm-hmm. he, in Matthew 9, he told his disciples to pray that God would send somebody. And then in chapter 10, it says the, these 12 he sent out. So yeah. he asks us to pray because he doesn't send people who don't pray. So we pray, and then he gives us the answer to our prayer and our own selves. Yeah, wow. Uh, that is so good. And I, I love that scripture. A friend of mine just uh, three or four weeks ago said something to me. You you may have heard this and may already know it in light of 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 uh, mentioning that verse about how Jesus saw the people uh, because he, he and I were having this discussion. He said, you know, we often talk about a lot about being the hands and feet of Jesus and that's great. And we should be the hands and feet of Jesus. But he said, until we have the eyes of Jesus, we'll never be the hands and feet of Jesus. Hmm. And I think in our political landscape, especially right now, I've even warned some of my Christian brothers and sisters just to be careful with what they post on social media uh, because sometimes their allegiance to their political party is a lot louder than their allegiance to Jesus. <laughs> and yeah. um, and uh, we've got to see people, to your point, to see people the way Jesus did. So, man, fantastic. Thanks for uh, just spending a little bit of time with me today. I, I'm grateful. If I can help you guys uh, in any way, um, please uh, please let me know. Uh, grateful for what you're doing to serve the, the churches of Orlando. All right, Jack. Thank you. And um, uh, I look forward to your book coming out. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, plug my book as well. Uh, yeah, no, here. absolutely. I was, that was my next question. Good. All right. It's called Fishing on the Other Side, A Guide to Be in the Church in the Digital Age. And you can get it on Amazon. And so this is all about uh, reaching people that we're not reaching right now. So we don't want our nets to come up empty. We're going to throw them on the other side of the boat. And in this case, it's in the digital world. So we yes. talk about how to how to do church in the digital age. I love that guide to being the church in the digital age, fishing on the other side. So I encourage you as a pastor, if you're not fishing in that, in that pond, you're missing a large, large population because that's where our world is right now. So thank you, Mark, check out that book uh, online. And uh, again, thanks for spending a little bit of time with me today. I'm grateful. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. Be sure to check out the website for blogs, videos, and more help on the issues of loneliness, friendship, and community. To get updates on the release of Jack's new book from Ravel Publishing, sign up for an email alert at jackeason.org.